You're listening to the Colorado Springs Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by RICO, your local guide for all things real estate investing in Colorado. Hey, Colorado Springs and Pueblo. We are here with a really exciting podcast episode for everyone. So um, we were able to um, round up a couple of people that were nice enough to come in and share their experience in investing in Pueblo and wanted to just ask them a lot of the general questions that what led them to Pueblo, what their experience has been like, and kind of how they see their future in Pueblo being an investor. So um, you guys know me. I am Jenny. Let's kick it off. We'll go to Lauren. Could you share your name, where you're based out of, and then kind of where you fall um, in relation to the newbie to expert investor spectrum. Yeah, sure. Um, my name is Lauren Sherman Bumker and, um, I, my husband and I are based out of Denver. Um, and we've been investing since 2019. Um, if you count our first property, which has now turned <laughs> into an investment, um, initially was a primary residence, um, that we've turned into a rental. So, Great. All right. And uh, I'm Kyle Griggs and I'm, I'm definitely on the newbie end of the spectrum. Um, just the one rental in Pueblo um, based out of Denver. Hey, uh, yes. Brian Moynihan, uh, also based in Denver. Um, I'm also a relative newbie. If you count house hacking, I, that would be my first investment, which I did in July of 21 here in Denver, still living in that property. Um, and then this was my first uh, non-live-in uh, investment property in Puebla. Great. And then everyone knows Leah as well, who is our resident Pueblo expert here. So that's really interesting that all three of you guys are based out of Denver. And what I'm hearing is this is your first like true, like, you know, purchase for the purpose of being a non-live-in rental type of property. So that's really interesting. Um, yeah. So I, I think one of the main questions that we get from a lot of people is what made you want to invest in Pueblo? And to piggyback on that, would you invest there again? I guess I can start. I don't know if there's an order, but um, I I think it's a, it's a few things for me. Um, there's some that are sort of personal and then there's some that are sort of I think more macro, um, you know, for me being a newish uh, real estate investor, I, I, I was preferential to something I could drive to. Um, and so it was attractive in that way. It's just an hour and 40 minutes from Denver. Um, and, you know, I also, again, being inexperienced, it was the, the price points are lower. So you have that, if there's if I'm gonna screw up, I'd rather screw up small than screw up big. Um, yep. I think that that was meaningful to me <laughs> as well. Um, but then, other than that, I think you know the attractive point price points um, relative to rents means there's more opportunities for cash flow um, in then than in Denver or in Springs. And you know, I think in general, on a more macro scale, the way I kind of think about Pueblo is it's a little bit of an overflow market for a couple of markets that are getting extremely expensive and people are getting priced out of. Um, I think the whole front range is going to experience a lot of population growth over the next 10, 20, 30 years. And 
Um, you know, I think buying in a place that's more inexpensive now means you could see outsized appreciation or just appreciation that is kind of tagging along with Springs and Denver, which is great. Um, in my mind too, just because of how strong I expect the appreciation in those places to be as well. That's great. And I, I love the fact that you touched on um, something that I that resonates with me is just that I would rather screw up on a smaller priced property than, you know, a million dollar property. It would hurt either way, but you know, it's a it's a cheaper lesson to learn, I, I guess, in that case. But luckily we don't have to worry about that so far. I think everyone's pretty happy <laughs> with their Pueblo properties. Yeah, I would agree. I um our biggest thing was um sort of the low barrier to entry on price point. Um is kind of like low risk, low reward, where you don't get huge cash flows, but it does cash flow and you know, even with, we, we bought a relatively small property and even with that, um, we are able to, you know, make some money and I can just imagine that like increasing over time or with more and more properties or, um, larger in size or anything like that. So different areas of Pueblo might be better than others. And we kind of got a, a lower end, (laughs) um, type deal, but, um, we kind of had, um, a chunk of money from a, a previous refinance that we were willing to put forward um, and try it out. And the other thing for us was really like, we've been thinking about out of state or distance investing. Um, and this felt like an attainable, like dipping our toes in the water type option where, you know, if we don't, if we have to go down there, um, it, you know, with short notice, it, we're able to do that without um, flying or, you know, um, if we need, um, if we don't have someone who can do maintenance for us right away, we can get there in a reasonable amount of time and take care of things. So. Yeah. I I love that you highlighted that as a reason, just because, um, out of state investing has this allure. And I think Pueblo's numbers are very comparable to your typical out of state investment markets like Kansas city or, um, you know, Memphis, like that sort of thing. Um, but like you mentioned, you're in state. So if, if worse comes to worse, you guys can go down there and, and take care of whatever needs to be done. Um, but you guys are using a property manager, right? We are. Yes. yes. You guys are just using that as like that layer of safety, which, um, I totally agree with. And I feel the same, <laughs> I feel the same way about that piece. Yeah. Yeah. When we bought the property, you know, we did a handful of work ourselves to get it ready to go. So I would say we did put in that work ourselves before having a property manager. Um, but now they take care of anything else. And, um, we kind of like doing a little DIY stuff ourselves, um, since we're still sort of new to it, you know, we don't pay somebody to do everything, but there are things that we pay people to do, um, that are outside of our uh, YouTube, YouTube ability to learn. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, I think for me, um, other than, you know, echoing the price point that, um, Ryan Lauren has said already. Um, the, the other thing is that, uh, I had a, just from looking around, um, Pueblo itself, uh, online and, uh, in person, just had a feeling that, um, it just, it got a bad rap in some senses. <laughs> uh, so, um, when we went down there and, you know, really walked around and really visited the different neighborhoods in there, um, it, it kind of 
fulfilled that idea that that I had. Um, so between the uh, good cash flow, uh, certainly better than uh, most of what I could find around Denver at the lower ca- lower price point to get in. Um, we for a, a three bedroom single family house, um, including repair costs, was under sixty k, um, which is just not not attainable uh, near Denver. Yeah, so that that was huge for us. Absolutely. I'm glad you touched on that, Kyle, because I feel like like all my calls in Pueblo usually have that question or just mentioning the you know the bad rep Pueblo gets, and I'm constantly saying like go down there. Um, like me and Brian did a tour before he bought his property and it just, you know, when you're down in the streets, you know, it's, you're like, okay, you get it, you get a better feel for, for the neighborhoods for sure. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think I was really happy with the neighborhood that ended up buying it. I mean, I think we, you and I definitely went to some spots that it was like, well, like this is probably not a great fit and probably more, maybe more of a quote headache kind of property or neighborhood than mm-hmm. that's, that's out there. Right. But that's in every city in America. Right. So it's, it's kind mm-hmm. of like, you have to just be aware that there are those neighborhoods and then there's really nice neighborhoods too, that I think are, you know, wonderful and any family would be happy to live in and, and, you know, pick your spots. It's what you're comfortable with and you just mm-hmm. have to just base it on that. Yeah. Jenny and I drove past your duplex the other day, Brian, when we were down there doing our own tour. Yeah. Orlando has been, he's doing an awesome job. I'm I'm excited. We're one unit is about to go online. So, and then the other one's going to be. Oh, oh, make sure you send photos so we can check it out. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But Jenny, you have a, an investment property in Pueblo. So can you answer the same questions? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, my thoughts on, on Pueblo is just kind of the same that everyone else mentioned is I, I have done out-of-state investing and it was not my cup of tea. Um, the numbers near pretty similar to when I started investing in Colorado Springs, that mid 100 to low 200 price point, not quite the 1% rule, uh, Colorado Springs never really hit that upon purchase either, but, you know, let's say like 0.7, 0. 0.8% uh, rent, rent to price ratio. Um, so that was an alert to me. And then, like you said, Kyle, just going down there, um, it looked like just a typical town, um, you know, and, and just kind of really getting familiar. And of course, Leah being, you know, having lived there, um, you know, we have an expert that we can leverage, um, and say, you know, what, what about this? What about this? What are things that we should be aware of? And, you know, this part, that sort of thing. Um, and she's, you know, been just incredibly beneficial for, for everyone who's interested in Pueblo. Oh, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) So I think all of us have property managers too. Um, is anyone here self-managing? No. And I think we're all using different managers, right? Yeah, so are. this is so good. Yes, yeah, so that's kind of a fun little sample size. So I would love to hear everyone's experience um with their management team and how that's been because that can be a really big hurdle for a lot of people in finding that good match. I'm using Muldoon Associates and I I love them. Um it took 
a little while when we bought our property to find um, a, a manager that we thought was um, really good fit and able to um, rent one rent for the price that we thought we could get based on Leah's um, recommendations. You know, we didn't, we're not trying to get um, higher than market rates. We're just trying to, you know, provide a nice place to live for uh, market rate and, um, and then, and be able to respond quickly and have multiple people on their team um, to respond. If, you know, if our primary contact with the, the, um, property management company isn't available. It was really important to us that somebody would be able to respond, um, not only for ourselves, but for tenants, you know, if, if they have an issue, we want them to be able to know that their, their issues are being addressed quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, so when we found the, the right property manager, um, they moved so fast (laughs) and we were so impressed. And so we were glad that we, we went with them. Um, but I'm, I'm really glad to hear that there's some other good property managers out there that people are finding. Cause for a minute I was thinking, um, you know, Pueblo might have a really good niche if anybody wanted to start property management down there. <laughs> Cause I was concerned with the first couple of contacts I had. Yeah. And I think it's really dependent on where your property is located too, or what type mm-hmm. of property it is. Um, cause I know Brian, you have, I think you're the only one with a multifamily, um, in this group. So you probably looked at your PMs with a little bit of a different lens than the rest of us did. Is that kind of how you approached that? Yeah, I did. And it's funny, Laura and I talked at a meetup and she actually recommended Muldoon. And I talked to uh, talked to them and was very impressed and, and very disappointed that they said they don't manage multifamily <laughs> properties. So... Uh, it, it was that was kind of uh, a bummer, but I think I found one that's that's pretty good. I, I mean, I will say that I kind of alluded to it earlier, but just for the listeners, um, I invested at the very end of March. Like literally, we closed the, like the last day of March, and so um, still finishing up the rehab process in the property right now because it did have some quite a bit of deferred maintenance, and so. I don't actually have tenants in there yet. And so that's really how you ultimately will kind of measure your property manager in a lot of ways. And, but, you know, I think so far my experience with um, the group I'm working with, which is called Atlas Real Estate, um, and they do a number of different things besides um, property management, but um, has, has been, I would say, good. Um, I don't think it's been great, but it's definitely been good. And you know, there's they've been responsive. They have a large team. Um, they're, you know, I think they have a presence in a lot of a lot of different places, right? I mean, Bubble Springs, they have some Arizona, Kansas City, some of these other markets. So you know, we'll see how it plays out. And it's definitely it was definitely a little bit of a different equation looking for a multifamily uh, manager than. Um, a single family one, but I'm, I'm fingers crossed I, good signs initially, and we'll see how it plays out when, when we actually get tenants in there. That's great. Kyle, how's your experience been? Uh, it, it's been great. Um, I think the hardest thing for us, um, and we, we use uh, Rocky mountain realty. Um, the, I think the hardest thing for us was just getting started, um, with making the initial contact. Um, and, and having that be a, a, like a productive conversation. 
um, rather than just sort of trading voicemails just based <laughs> off of everybody's schedule. <laughs> um, but once once we got the you know the agreement in place, everything um, they've been phenomenal. The the unit um, rented for you know more than we thought. Um, they've been very communicative with um, you know maintenance uh, issues and costs, and you know great documentation of um, you know bills and, and repairs and stuff that have been done. Um, so in great end of year uh, tax um, information too. So, Hey, I really couldn't be happier with them. That's fantastic. And I think, um, you hit on a really good point. Um, you know, we always, maybe, maybe we can add this to our, uh, our list, Leah, that we might need to help newer investors know what type of questions to ask with their property manager while they're mm-hmm. interviewing as well. Cause if this is, you know, your first or second go at it, you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what the issues are going to be. Um, you know, what makes, what separates a good from a bad PM. So yeah, we'll, we'll add that to our to-do list, I Mm -hmm. think. Um, but yeah, myself, I've been, I'm using Keystone since we are, uh, you know, (laughs) lifting the curtain on everyone's uh, specific PMs. They've been absolutely fantastic. Um, they got the property rented, uh, I think the day it went live or something like that. Like they had known of a family that was looking for exactly what, we were able to, um, to offer and yeah, so pretty much no vacancy in that regard. And they've been very communicative as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's been, um, really easygoing. And, um, I know Jeff, who is my next door neighbor, um, in Pueblo, he also uses Keystone and, um, he couldn't make it tonight, but he did mention that the property pretty much runs itself. So that's always a good sign. I I think. Yes. (laughs) That's what you want it to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't want to think about the property and be like, oh yeah, I forgot. I forgot I own that one. <laughs> <laughs> could could everyone share kind of um Brian, I guess you're probably in the in the midst of this, so you might not have as much uh, you know, to to share on that. But what has your turnover and your vacancy experience been like? Have you guys had um tenants come and go? Have you had long extended periods of vacancy before your your PM was able to fill with a qualified tenant? Or how has that been? So, yeah, unfortunately, I'm not too too much help on this one. Uh, we've had no no vacancy or, or turnover yet um, over the last couple of years. But that's great. <laughs> we're still setting aside eight percent for it. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No vacancy is a good sign, right? So, yeah, yeah. Um, that's also where we're at. We've we've owned the property for just over a year now, and they had it rented. Once we got on, bo- on board, they had it rented for July, um, and going on for a year. And, um, I think back in January, they contacted us and let us know that the tenants already wanted to renew for the next year. So we knew in January that we were going to continue and they had our property manager again, going back to like just them being really great. They had, um, a full report with photos of the conditions of the property, um, for us to be able to evaluate and make sure that it was in good shape and we were you know, ready to do that as well. Um, so it just, it made us feel really comfortable with everything, um, and be able to say, yeah, let's, they've, they've been great. We haven't had any maintenance issues. Um, you know, we're on board to, to keep renewing their lease as long as they want to stay. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. And I'll just, I'll, I'll say ditto for myself. No, no vacancy, no turnover. So 
<laughs> Brian, we'll, we'll send our good vibes to you and your <laughs> tenants as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe that, you know, that um, speaks to kind of the type of renters that you might be getting in Pueblo where, you know, people are moving there, um, not for short term. I think in Denver, we see people who are, you know, moving and, um, and leaving quickly as well. And, um, and maybe, you know, maybe Pueblo is a place that people want to stay a little longer because it's a little more stable. Um, so that's a good, good thing that we have going for it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, will, really I will say that, uh, the property, it's a little bit, this might be a little bit biased just based on the situation with the rents, but the, pro- the tenants in both units before had been there how long, Leah? Like eight, eight years. years eight. Mm-hmm. They moved in around the same time. And then literally, I mean, they've never had the rent raised on them one single time. So they were at this point paying well below market. But I mean, still, it's that's even with that fact pattern, it's that's a long time for in multifamily property. So it's duplex. So a little yeah. different than single family home. You might be a different tenant type, but a relevant data point as well. Yeah, that's great. That's great information. Mm-hmm. So has anyone, this is kind of, you know, the disaster portion uh, of, of this panel. Um, has anyone had any major CapEx maintenance, just tenant issues, like anything to like possibly just like, you know, war scars uh, to share uh, for your Pueblo properties? Brian, say it. <laughs> yeah, I can start out. So, um <laughs> So a cu- couple, couple things have, have happened. So one of which I would say two, two large expenditures and then a little bit of death by a thousand cuts on everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, so when, when we first checked out the property, there's, it's an up down duplex and the top has uh, the top unit had this decking going up to it on both sides. Um, nothing like fancy or crazy, just a staircase on the front and then a staircase with a little, kind of small patio area on the back. And uh, it was an absolute liability to say the least. It, it was like someone had just been kind of slapping two by fours and throwing nails into it for 10 years to whenever anything broke. And so definitely not something. And it was, I mean, you'd walk on it. Leah can vouch for this. Like it, it was scary. Like you'd walk on it and it would like wobble and flex and the wood was all warped. And so we immediately were like, this is going to have to go. Like we knew that was going to go. And we thought that would probably be like around 7,500 bucks and ended up being able to do it for that amount. So knew that going in and then kind of just got into it. And, you know, inspection had a lot of things here and there. Um, and I think, you know, my experience with it probably didn't help um, sort of relied on the contractor a little bit and not, and the contractor is fantastic to be clear. Like he's really good, but there were just areas that he might not have accounted for fully in the way he kind of did his estimate. And, you know, I, he's a contractor, he's not an accountant. Right. And so, you know, I, I should have just been a little more rigorous with that, but kind of got into a phase where there was just a lot of little things and they were just all adding up a lot. And it became clear to me that I was probably going to go above the budget that I had um, expected, which was about 20K, including the decking thing. And I thought like, okay, I'll probably be able to do this for like 30. 
Um, and then I got the great news that the swamp cooler on the top floor was leaking. <laughs> and so then I started investigating options on that front. It's like, do you put more money into the really, really old crappy swamp cooler? Or do you just bite the bullet? Um, because that's kind of a sunk cost and you're probably going to have to repair it in a year again anyway. The other fact pattern was the furnace was over 30 years old. <laughs> it was, I think, the original furnace. And so when I brought the HVAC contractors in, they were like, yeah, I mean, you can install mini splits or do these other things and it'll be this expensive. And that was quite expensive proposition for that. But they were kind of saying like, your best option is just do the furnace, take out the, um, take out the, the um, swamp cooler because there was duct um, for the, for the furnace. And it was like, you can install an AC system in a new furnace. And so that was an $11,000 kick in the face. Um, <laughs> so that took a, you know, a busted budget from being like, okay, uh, not horrible to being like pretty badly busted on that front. So, um, kind of brutal, but you know, it's, you know, I, I run the numbers with the new rehab budget and it's like, still going to cash flow. It'll still be okay. It's not going to be quite the return I expected, but um, you know, it'll, it'll still cash flow. And, and that's ultimately um, the most important thing in my mind. Yeah. And we, I mean, you scored that property for such a good price that like, even with 30 K in, you know, initial repairs, it's, you could just turn around and sell it for like over, you know, yeah. And and that's the thing that like, I'm kind of looking at this a little bit of like, okay, maybe we're looking at a little bit of like a burr opportunity here um, because, you know, replacing all these systems, making it nice. I mean, like there's, there was so much when the appraisal happened, there were so many issues. Um, none of it like major except for the decking thing. And it's just going to be like, it's going to be a nice place. Like in the top unit, especially the three, two unit, there's going to be really nice counter um, countertops, really nice cabinets. Both the bathrooms are going to be completely redone in, in both units, and we're putting an LVP up top, and and so like it's going to be nice. And the lender that I use is just is a conventional lender, but they have something where if you refi within 18 months, they cover all the fees, 100% of the fees of that. So I'm thinking like maybe interest rates go down a little bit. Maybe we see how this rents for based on how nice it is relative to other stuff in the market. And then maybe there's an opportunity to get a little bit of, of that rehab budget back and, and kind of peg the value at a, at a higher point. <laughs> I was thinking of when um, we closed on a Friday and it, on Saturday I was... <laughs> actually like on vacation. And I had the tenant call me, one of his tenants, and she was like, there's water shooting out of our wall. Oh no. And I was like, oh my God, poor Brian. It was like the worst initiation. Um, yeah. Leah, Leah sent me a hilarious text, which is like very representative of the reality of this to some extent. Like, this was this was the only like major thing that that's happened, but I think that the text was literally um, "Welcome to being a landlord." <laughs> crying, the crying emoji. So like I mean uh, yeah, I think that's what you're referring to. But 
that was actually a small thing. Like I called okay. the PM, I called the PM and they were able to fix it like that afternoon. And so that was a great initial proof point with the PM, like no yeah. major water damage, no, nothing like that. And then the, this other stuff that kind of came out in the rehab has been um, honestly just worse and, and more expensive. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, it was like the day one, uh, day water one was- out of the wall was, uh, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to being a landlord moment. Yeah. Are you really a landlord if you haven't dealt with a flood or a fire of some type? (laughs) That's awesome. Anyone else or has it been pretty, pretty low key for, for everyone else's uh, properties? I I think it's been low key uh, for us overall. Um, The only sort of unexpected capital expense was um, known upfront. Uh, from the inspection for our our place, um, the the sewer line uh, was basically broken and, and needed fully replacing. Um, so that was about eighty five hundred dollars. But um, since it was before closing, we were able to finance it, um, which made it very painless. <laughs> Other than that, knock on wood, it's been a dream. Yeah, that was stressful. <laughs> we got it done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We had we had an unexpected um, water line repair at the beginning. Um, you know, one of the things we were thankful of is that we didn't have tenants in at the time, so um, it just sort of delayed getting everything ready. But um, it didn't come up in inspection. Um, it came up actually when we were down there in the property. Um, we stayed a couple of nights to try to get everything ready and. Um, when we were going back and forth with the city, getting the water turned on, things were happening where it didn't seem right. The meter was running um, when the water was turned off. So it appeared that there was still water running somewhere. Um, And thankfully we didn't have any water flowing into the house itself. It was all underground, Um, but it did end up costing a a little bit of money. Um, One of those things where thankfully you actually end up finding out that the the fix is cheaper than the initial um, quote. So so that so what was supposed to be, um, I think, upwards of five thousand dollars ended up being thirty five hundred or so. So you know, saved a little bit of money there, um, but it wasn't unforeseen. Um, and then for us, um, we don't ha- we haven't had any maintenance issues since tenants have moved in. We do know that the water heater is old in the property. And so it's kind of, um, uh, would, would you call it maybe a deferred maintenance issue? We know that at some point that needs to be replaced and we'd rather do that um, when it's not an emergency. So that's kind of one of those things we have on the list with the property manager to kind of figure out, you know, when's an ideal time to do that and how do we have them help us make it really seamless. That's a great point. It's interesting. It seems like everyone's hurdles were getting the property up and running. It seems like, as opposed to knock on wood, I don't want to jinx you guys, yeah. but um, <laughs> you know, while there's tenants in there, um, which always makes things a little bit more difficult. Um, so that's interesting. Thankfully um, on this property for myself, I have not had any disasters, knock on wood. I've had plenty of disasters this uh, past couple of months in my my other properties, which maybe I'll share, um, on a different episode, but yeah, this, this particular one has been super easy. So yeah, nothing to share there. For you guys, aside from those, uh, issues you just mentioned, like, what was it like getting it rent ready? I mean, we're just talking about 
coat of paint and some, you know, maybe a little spackle here and there? Or was it like, were you redoing bathrooms or like anything like that out of curiosity? I just got new appliances um, for mine. My my appliances uh, were probably older than I was um, in the property. They're still working um, somewhat. Uh, the oven was questionable, but yeah, just figured, you know, those were going to bite the dust soon and just kind of upgraded to stainless steel. But other than that, um, I don't think I did anything. Uh, just some uh, landscaping. Our big major things that we sort of did ourselves, um, it was very much a learning thing, was we put... Um, railings on both the front and back porches didn't have those before so it needed it for life safety purposes um we had done we had bought a new fridge from a great used appliance store in town that was like two two blocks from the house or something (laughs) they were great though and then we had some other little things but really the sort of the reno and the interiors had been done before we bought the property um It was little stuff like putting in window screens. We had um, the back of the house has a back old porch uh, that's got windows on it, cracked glass and stuff like that. So we found a company in town that was able to replace the glass for us, which was kind of a cool project. Um, Stuff like that um, more than any sort of big reno. Yeah, it was weird. I think like plexiglass or something in some of the spots, right, Lauren? Yeah. Yeah. We were like, what is this? Back to the original frames as much as we could. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then, um, just had a company, they were, we, we literally brought them the glass, the panes of (laughs) the windows and said, can you replace this? Um, so we did a bunch of, of random things, um, to our property, um, both before it was rented and then a little bit after. Um, we installed a radon mitigation system um, because the radon was kind of borderline in the inspection. Um, we installed uh, gutters around the rest of the house. I think there was one gutter on the front of the house, <laughs> but like the other three quarters of the house were unguttered. Um, and the inspector thought that would uh, lead to water damage on the foundation over time. Um, and, uh, the, the last thing that we did before, um, or last big thing that we did before renting, uh, was buy and install, um, washer dryer, um, that that wasn't there before. Um, so that was, um, I I think really helped the attractiveness of the property. And then after the tenant was in, um, we, we put a swamp cooler in it. Um, so it should be knock on wood. We should be good to go in terms of capital expenditures for a while. <laughs> well, awesome. So last question that I have is what has your overall return been? Um, do you have a ballpark average monthly cash flow that you have? Like any sort of point of reference number that you'd be willing to share with everyone? Yeah, I've got a, um, for, for 2022, our uh, cap rate was 6%. And uh, are getting about $300 cash flow a month. Um, we're similar. I, our cash flow is about $300. If you, that, that includes a 5% maintenance that we set aside. So, you know, overall in, in a cash flow, um, it's, it's less than that, but we haven't spent very much money on maintenance since move it, since tenants moved in. So that's been 
um, helpful. It's just money we can set aside for future maintenance projects. Yes. I, I love that everyone has talked so much about their reserves and contingencies, vacancy rates. So it's just music to my ears that everyone is setting aside, you know, not spending your your cash flow, setting it aside for when when things happen, not if, um, as mm-hmm. as we've all kind of chatted about some, you know, things that have popped up that are unexpected. Um, so I, I'm 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 really pleased to hear that everyone's doing that. Um, I guess on my end, I just I just look back. Um, I know Leah, when we were chatting the other day, I said that it was break even, but it's actually about two hundred dollars a month um, this past year. So nice, but much better than I uh, than I thought it was. So mm-hmm. pleasant surprise. Yeah, that's sweet. Yeah, thank you all so much for taking the time out of your day. Um, you know, we're recording in the evening, so I, I, I'm sure everyone had a long day at work. So thank you all so much for coming on and just kind of sharing your experience. So that people that are possibly interested in investing in Pueblo can kind of get, you know, full, full version of it from, you know, a lot of different um, viewpoints, different property types, ages of the properties. Um, Cause I think uh, Lauren and Kyle, yours are on the older side, right. And then Brian and, and mine are on the newer side. So it's, it's just really kind of fun to have such a good wide, um, you know, sample of, 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 different property types, property managers, experience like that. So thank you again for coming on and um, we will see you all later. Thank you. Thanks everyone. Thanks, Thanks, everyone. everyone.